0: Hey now, this is the Word Mid Fresh podcast with your host, I'm Matthew Tracy, and I'm Wendley Senzel. Once again, thanks for joining us. We are downright delighted to have you.
1: Thanks for being with us, guys. Welcome one, welcome all.
0: And This is episode number four, and in the last episode, we had the opportunity to learn about the creation of the world. And most importantly, we learned that God had a personal touch in creating the human race. What will be our study for today?
1: So today we are continuing with that theme of inspiration in the Bible. And we are going to ask the question, can the Bible
0: be understood? Can the Bible be understood? I think this is a very important question, especially for those that are interested in learning more about the Bible.
1: But before we get started, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just want to ask, dear God, that you will give us an understanding of your word, and of your will for our lives, that you will be with our time, and bless this
0: this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can the Bible be understood? There was a time in the the Christian church history that the laity, the church member, did not have access to the Bible. And it was believed at that time that only the clergy can understand the Bible and only the clergy had access to the copies of the Bible. Was that always the case from the church history?
1: So that was actually a later development um, during the Dark Ages in Christian history when that understanding really became prominent. But in the earliest years of the Christian church,
0: that was not the understanding So this understanding that only certain people can understand the Bible was actually simply during the Dark Ages. How was it during the early days of the church history?
1: Yes, so what we find is in the earliest centuries, even up until some of the latter parts leading up to the Dark Ages, from about 200, 300 A.D. up until about 1100 A.D., there were at least three prominent schools that were erected by three different men for the sole purpose of translating the scriptures, making sure people could read the scriptures, and to share the scriptures with the world. And these three people in the earlier part was Lucian of Antioch, and then towards the latter, the latter end, Patrick of Ireland
0: and Columba of Scotland. I think it's, it's very important. If we look at the commission that the disciple had from Jesus to share the gospel, I think it will make sense while have school where that knowledge can be shared with the laity as well. Absolutely. Was that also the case in the Jewish understanding of scripture? Were the laity allowed to, to read the Bible or was it reserved for a few a specific rabbis?
1: So we actually find that the Jews also had a similar model where they had schools. They were called schools for the prophets or schools of the prophets. In 1 Samuel chapter 10 and chapter 19 as well as in 2nd Kings chapter 2, we read about these schools.
0: And I think that's amazing to know that even in the, in the Jewish understanding, there was this idea, this concept that the Bible was for everyone.
1: Yes. And, and we can clearly see that um, through Deuteronomy, different mm-hmm. parts of Deuteronomy, earlier parts of Joshua, and even throughout. Some specific examples would be the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You can read about that in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, where the people were told to teach their children diligently mm-hmm. about the Ten Commandments and then... The same thing followed with the Passover and the crossing of Jordan and numerous other examples where they were told to teach them about God's Word.
0: Yeah, and I really love that word, uh, diligently. He emphasized that in order for the next generation to take ownership of the Scripture, they have to be taught uh, also what to believe. And, and by teaching them they, in, in the latter days, uh, they will take ownership when the next generation comes to become the primary generation. Uh, what about the early church perspective? Uh, anything that we see from there. So
1: it makes sense that the, the, the church as it developed later in the centuries would follow much of the Jewish example because the earliest believers of the church were Jewish converts. So we find, as an example, if you look at Luke 24, verse 27, that Jesus himself, when he began to teach the scriptures to his disciples, it says there, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, there was a very specific pattern that he followed. And he began at Moses from the beginning and went all the way through the end and taught them piece by
0: piece about himself. Well, oh, that's amazing to know that uh, even Jesus himself was interested in not only in knowing the scripture for himself, but to share that knowledge with, uh, with his followers.
1: And we can see that this was not only limited to just Jesus and his disciples, but mm-hmm. there was a Jewish cultural mindset. Like, for example, before Timothy became an evangelist earlier on, under the um, the guys the guide of the Apostle Paul, Timothy also was already studying the Scriptures, mm-hmm. and he was just a young guy. And so Paul. He, he he admonished him further to study to show
0: himself approved unto God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that passage. I think in Second Timothy chapter two, verse fifteen, where he, he tells him, "Hey, study to show yourself approved, a, a workman that need not to be ashamed." In the sense that not only do you have to have a knowledge of a surface knowledge of the Bible, I want you Timothy to actually understand the Bible for yourself to the point that where well, you can share it as well. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Do we find promises in the Bible? Would uh, would the, the Bible say that anyone can understand it?
1: We do. We find a few. Um, first example would be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, mm-hmm. verses 14 and 15. Paul says to Timothy there, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, mm. and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus.
0: Oh, that's amazing that... Uh, that that means that even a child can understand certain concept from the Bible. I find that to be very inspirational.
1: Absolutely. Um, he, he continues in verse 16 by saying, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is mm-hmm. profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the first thing it makes you think of is Proverbs 22, verse 6.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking of that. <laughs> Train up
1: a child in the uh-huh. way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it.
0: Wow, so there's even promises in the Bible that, hey, if you, if you learn the Bible, if you teach, teach your children, that there's a blessing that uh, you can take from that as well. Anything else, that, uh, any other promises that come to mind?
1: Okay, so I, when I think of who do, who do we teach Scripture to, or who understands it, or who was intended to understand it, when you look at Proverbs, right away, the very first verses talk about, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and do not mm-hmm. forsake the law of your mother. Right away, children it, from the youngest time should be able to understand this word. And I think it's so interesting because the Bible is a book that is simple enough to teach to a child mm-hmm. and that a child should understand. And yet, sometimes grown men stumble at it. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, mm-hmm. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound oh, wow. the things which are mighty.
0: Well, that's amazing to know that not only is it written for children, but even the most simplistic mind, when ha- when you have this diligent, diligent desire to know the Bible and to know God's Word, God will actually expound to you what His Word is teaching. Yes. Uh, I want to go a step further. What is the best way to get something out of the Bible? What is the best way to read the Bible and to understand it?
1: That's a great question. First verse that comes to mind is in Isaiah chapter 28 verses 9 and 10. He asks that very question. He says, mm-hmm. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And Then he tells us, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Little, little children. Mm-hmm. So the teaching we see really begins right away. Mm-hmm. And then he says, Here's how you teach them. This is how we learn. For precept must be upon precept." Precept upon precept, line upon line,
0: line upon line, here a little and there a little. So there is this aspect of comparison and and finding themes that are related and and placing precept upon precept, even comparing scripture to scripture. Is that what I see in this text? That's exactly it. I think the
1: first thing that we can say is that we need to understand as it reads first. Mm -hmm. In other words, it says what it means and it means what it says. Wow. Simple enough. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually have a term for this in the scholarly community. It's called Aristotle's dictum, And what that basically equates to is that when any text is presented, especially one from antiquity, Mm -hmm. when it is presented, it's to be looked at as a witness in a court of law. And it testifies for itself. If you were to put a witness in a courtroom today and the witness testifies and says his testimony, you cannot have... The prosecutor turned to the witness and say, he said that, but he really meant Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) X, Y, and Z. (laughs) No, the testimony has to stand for itself.
1: The testimony, and in this case with the Bible, it does stand for itself. And so we should take it first and foremost as it reads and understand that it says what it means and it means what it says.
0: Uh, This reminds me of a story in in the book of Luke where Jesus had to share his disciple about himself. Do you know that story? I think it's in Luke 24. Uh, where Jesus was sharing with His disciples about Himself and why they should believe in Him.
1: Yeah, and we started to read that exact story, Mm -hmm. where when Jesus began to expound to them everything that was written there, from Moses all the way into the end. And so we actually find that towards the end of that story, He says, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. And then it says, He open their understanding that they
0: might understand the scriptures. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I love it. Even though Jesus was the Messiah, they didn't say, Hey, I did miracle, but he went to the Bible, to the book of Moses and showing them from the scripture, comparing scripture to scripture about his world and history. Uh, I do want to ask a question. Uh, do we have to know Greek and Hebrew uh, to fully understand the Bible, or to understand the Bible? Mm. That is a
1: good question. Um, Many of you out there might hear this and we've heard it ourselves a few times that mm-hmm. you need to understand the original languages to be able to really understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I think while there may be some value to that, to yeah. oh. right, there's some validity to that. You, you know. We also have concordances for that. We don't necessarily need to speak it, mm-hmm. but we can look it up. in a Like the
0: Greek book. reference, G something, H something. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Strong's references and all that. But... On a simpler note, uh, primarily, I think when you realize that the Bible is dealing with images and concepts and ideas more than with words themselves, you will actually have a better and easier time understanding the Bible. For example, in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, he says this, uh, God says this to John, he says, Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So everything that he conveyed was about what he saw. He didn't give him word-for-word word dictation, here's what you
0: need to say. Okay. Yeah? So we're seen that the Bible is simple enough that given a, a good translation, that people can un- actually understand a lot of the concept itself.
1: Absolutely, and, and if we needed to understand the original tongues of the Bible to begin with, that would defeat the whole point of a translation yeah, anyway.
0: That's true. Now, speaking of interpretation and translation, uh, I know we made a reference earlier to the book of Isaiah, uh, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into this this, this uh, field. How do we un- interpret the Bible and how do we understand it? All right.
1: So we kind of touched on it earlier. Um, first steps, according to Isaiah 28, 9 and 10, as well as verse 13, we need to compare Scripture with Scripture. Mm-hmm. Precept upon precept, line upon line. Um, for example... Um, last week what we did to define what the firmament was Mm -hmm. is we took precept and line upon line.
0: Yeah, scripture with scripture.
1: Scripture with scripture. We started with this firmament idea in Genesis chapter 1, and then we saw that in verse 8 that the firmament was actually defined as heaven. So we didn't need to come up with that on our own. We were able to do that from the Bible itself. Can you
0: give us a fresh example? I know that was when we started last week. Uh, Any other example that come to mind?
1: Okay, so one uh, first one that comes to mind, uh, and we kind of touched on this, uh, but sort of. Daniel chapter 2 talked about these kingdoms. And then in Daniel chapter 7, it actually gives us another image of kingdoms, this time in the form of beasts. Okay. And so we don't have to guess that these kingdoms are beasts. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 17, it says these great beasts, which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth and then in verse 7 or in verse 23 of the same chapter he says the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom Mm -hmm. so we don't have to guess at what a beast is in in prophecy the bible already defines it it tells us a beast symbolizes a kingdom
0: yeah and i think one one another takeaway as well as that as we try to understand and interpret the bible uh, we have to be consistent we cannot just cherry pick a section and we say hey this is what they say and then when we go to another section Uh, we use a different method completely. We have to be consistent in the method that we decide to use. Absolutely. And I think the best way to be consistent and the Bible teaches that is by comparing Scripture to Scripture and letting the Bible be its own interpreter. Now, taking this concept in mind, I want to go a little bit further. How can we find truth on a particular subject in the Bible? Like we have a Bible topic that we're interested in. How can we find truth in that topic? All right, so... Isaiah chapter 8
1: verse 20 tells us there to the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it's because there is no light in them. Hmm. So in other words, it must whatever we are trying to establish as a doctrine or as a point of truth. It must add up with the entire Bible. Mm -hmm. It's much like a um, like if we're building a fence and I start digging a bunch of holes and I've got 20 holes in a line and then I find that, you know, hole number 18 and hole number 7, they're a little off. Do I, do I take the other 18 and move them over to the 2 or do I take the 2 and then move them over to the 18 to get all 20 in line? I think I'll move the 2. <laughs> move the 2. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we want to make sure that what we are coming up with actually aligns with the hole. Makes sense.
0: Can you give us a practical example, a practical approach on, on how to study. So it's
1: simple. Take a topic. Um, whatever you want to do. You can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean anything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> um, resurrection. or Resurrection. Take a topic. You know, stuff about the creation. All that. Yeah. Uh, secondly, use a Bible search tool. It's a lot easier if you can get one. Mm-hmm. And then just plug in keywords and find... All the verses that you can that are related to that topic. And then start with the verses. This is probably the key thing in all of this. Start with the verses that are the most obvious. Mm -hmm. Start with the things that clearly say one thing. And if you find something else later on that seems to say something different, go a little bit deeper into those verses and figure out what is it saying? How does it actually harmonize with the whole? And then from there, when you have made sense of it, and you find that harmony, because the Bible will harmonize, mm-hmm. then you can say you have a doctrine.
0: Yes, and, and I love this, this idea that I spend scripture to scripture and understand that the Bible itself uh, harmonized as well. There's a promise I really love in the Bible. I think it's in the book of John, John chapter 7, verse 17. And I believe it's a powerful promise that for anyone that is interested in learning the Bible, there's this promise that if you are willing to know the Bible, that God himself will help you. That's and it. You shall know if this the, if this is the truth. And whether the doctrine that you are studying whether it be of God or whether it be someone's interpretation. Yeah, as
1: well. and that implies uh, that you got to go and do it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. That's, yeah, that's the bad news, I guess. <laughs> it can be good news if you're interested.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't seek, you will not. You will not find. You will not find.
0: Any of the scriptures that come to mind that you want to share with?
1: So I think one of the. One of the more popular ones, for sure, is Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Mm -hmm. Um, This is about the Bereans. And uh, these guys were, it says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And that they received the word, the word of God, with Mm -hmm. all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another verse where Paul says, do not despise prophesying. Mm -hmm. But prove all things. But prove all things. And these guys were like that. They didn't. You can go up to them, and these are the kind of guys that you you know you totally respect. You can go up mm-hmm. to them and tell them anything, and they'll hear you out. They don't necessarily believe you right up front, but mm-hmm. they'll hear you out, and then they'll take their information, and then they will personally go and take the time to diligently see are these things true or not.
0: Yeah, and I think this was in contrast with the people from Thessalon uh, from the Thessalonians, right, uh, where they will hear the the word of God, but they will not go and verify for themselves. But we see from the Bereans, they were really diligent in the search of scripture. They wanted to know the truth. And I think there has to be this desire uh, to know the truth as well, as as we study the Bible. That's it. Uh, And there's this promise again that comes to my mind in John chapter 8, where God promised that we shall know the truth and that the Mm. truth uh, will set us free. I want to ask that if the Bible is somewhat easy to understand, Why is there so many interpretations, so many denominations uh, coming from the same Bible?
1: Okay. Yeah. So it kind of goes back to the whole fence post analogy. Um, You are going to come across verses that are very obvious on a particular topic. And you're going to come across a small handful that seem to be saying something totally different. Mm -hmm. And um, it's like Peter said uh, about Paul's writings. Uh, The Apostle Peter He actually said this in chapter Mm 3, verse 16 and 17 of his second epistle. He said, As also in all his epistles, speaking about Paul's epistles, Mm -hmm. he says, There are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. He says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness so he's letting us know while you're studying and you're trying to figure these things out hey there are some things that are going to be hard to understand
0: yeah and I think that's the cleverness of the Bible and he even proved that it's inspired yes a, a child can understand it but mm-hmm. a scholar can go into deep study and, and, and the deep knowledge yeah that's and, a good point yeah and, and if Peter admits that hey there are some parts of the Bible that are hard <laughs> what are some of the implications of that for us Okay, well,
1: yeah, the first thing is it does not mean that they are impossible to understand.
0: So they are hard to understand, but they are not impossible exactly, to Exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: Hard, but not impossible. <laughs> That's good. So it, it, the implication there is you got to put more time in. That's at least one.
0: The diligence aspect we talked yeah, about. Mm.
1: you have to be diligent. And there are different ways of interpreting the Bible, too, from uh, the way that from church to church. You know, certain people are interpreting things differently. Um, sometimes people want the Bible to say something it's not saying.
0: Yeah, and so got it.
1: That's how we get a totally different understanding of things. Makes
0: sense. right? So even the lenses, the, the approach that you take, understanding like how you come to study the Bible will affect the outcome of it as well.
1: Absolutely. Wow.
0: That's, a, that's good to know.
1: Definitely. I mean, if you think, uh, again, it kind of goes back to the whole creation thing we were talking about. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think one thing that comes to mind as well is that as we study the Bible, sometimes, let's say I study the Bible and then I stop studying and then, you know, the generation that come after me uh, they decided to continue or to stop. And we see sometimes what happened in, in the history of the church is that some people will study the Bible, and then the time will come where the next generation uh, will not continue. And they they don't, don't want to go any yeah. further. And what is the impact of that is that ultimately the beliefs uh, changes from the one that stopped and the one that continues. Yeah, right. And what is one lesson that you can do? Let's say with all this different understanding, many interpretation. what is one lesson that you can give away to to someone that, hey, I want to know the truth. I don't want to be confused. Mm.
1: Okay, well, I think that the whole point, at least, that we can take away from all of this is that you do want to live up to what you do know. Mm. Let's just start with there. If you are searching and you are trying to find answers and you find an answer and it it's a very clear one, mm-hmm. then stick with that Got for it. starters. Mm-hmm. And if you are confused on a certain point, hey, again, it's okay to be confused.
0: Got it. So just, you don't have to know all Understand all the Bible at once. That's what you're saying. It goes
1: back to that whole thing. It's better to know a little bit and apply it than to understand everything and then... You not use it at all. Not use it at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Makes sense. So it says like, for example, in Romans 14, 5, let every man be fully persuaded in their own mind. It doesn't mean that you, if somebody comes with you, comes to you with a different idea, you don't have to hate them for it. You don't have to argue with them, any of that stuff, uh, but let them be persuaded and should they be true in their efforts, and we be honest, well, then eventually God will see to it that He will lead us into
0: the right understanding of His Word. Makes sense. Yeah. There is a warning in the book of Revelation, and it talks about adding to the Bible or taking away from the Bible. And I understand that as we are trying to learn the Bible, uh, we want to ask you know, the question that we want to ask, but how do we make sure that we're not adding or removing that from the Bible? And this, does this concept of adding to the Bible only apply the book of revelation. Okay.
1: So it's one thing to mistakenly understand something than to make the bible say something that it's not.
0: Okay, that's that's an int- yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah.
1: Right? So, you know, we want to make sure as best as we can that we are actually trying to understand it, not making it say something different. If we try to make it say something different, that would be adding to it. Mhm. And then there's quite literally, if we're taking away from it, withholding information or we're some, in some cases, people that were writing the things would actually take verses out. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So, um, we know too that this is, as far as whether this is limited to the book of Revelation itself, mm-hmm. this same injunction appears at least in one other spot in the Old Testament. Got it. For sure, at least one. In Proverbs 30, verse 6, it says, do not add unto his words, lest he find the guilty Mm-hmm. Okay, so of, of adding to what he's saying So uh, if, if one part of the scriptures says it in the New Testament and One part of the Old Testament It makes sense to treat it, if it's all scripture To be consistent and say that the rule applies to all scripture alike mm-hmm. And therefore we should not be adding or taking away from
0: any of the Bible Makes sense So you, we have to be honest in our search for the truth um, As we study the Bible Uh, One thing I want to ask, is the Bible, I mean, we touched on this before, but is the Bible a closed book? Is it limited to a few people? Are there things that are actually hidden from the readers themselves?
1: Right, okay. So, the Bible puts it this way. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So the Bible doesn't have all of the answers to everything you could possibly think of. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying before, the Bible is the basic instructions before leaving earth.
0: Makes sense. But so, the things that are revealed are actually for our instruction. Those are yeah.
1: for us. We can say that of all things, those are the most important.
0: Pretty good. Can you simplify it for us? Give us some, maybe some guidelines, some rules, some principles that we can apply as we try to understand the Bible more perfectly. All right. So,
1: yeah, to kind of bring this all to a, you know, rounded summary. First, we can say, study the Bible reverently, desiring to know what it is actually Mm -hmm. saying and then to be ready to practice what you learn. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing, take it as it reads. First and foremost, don't try to make it say something else. Um, Third, recognize that it's its own best commentator. Right. It defines itself. And then to be persevering in trying to understand it, and then lastly, beware of adding to it, taking away from it, or trying to make it say something
0: again that it's not saying. Mm-hmm. Those okay. are five
1: different principles we can take away.
0: Got it. And from all we learned today, uh, what are how do we take everything that we learned today and uh, and to show that the Bible is actually inspired?
1: I think you mentioned it, and I think you put it pretty nicely that the bible another sign for its inspiration is that it appeals to all minds alike mm-hmm. from the youngest child up to the you know wisest smartest educated person on the planet the oldest mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where a person is or what they're going through there is something that appeals to the mind of everybody mm-hmm. and that is a sign of its inspiration too well
0: that is amazing last question how can we make understanding the bible Fresh in our lives,
1: Psalms thirty-four and verse eight says, <laughs> what does it say? "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in Him." In other words, we have an invitation to put the word to the test and see if it's good. So, if we want to keep it fresh, put it
0: to the test. Yeah. So we actually have to come and to test it. I've tested the Bible, and I think it's pretty really good. And I really hope our viewer will take this invitation to also test the Bible as well.
1: The Bible is the freshest and tastiest book. That there is.
0: Most definitely, I agree. <laughs> and from the Word Made Fresh podcast, we are your humble servants. I'm Matthew Tracy. And I'm Wendley Sentiel. Thanks for joining us. And guys, don't
1: forget, as always, please leave your comments below. We want to hear from you. Like the video, subscribe, and share with those that you feel and need a blessing. Join us next time. Stay fresh.